if you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Now, when we decided to take the risk and make this season with two bachelorettes instead of one, we really felt like we were doubling our chances for a happy ending. But things just haven't turned out that way. This season really has been brutal for both Rachel and Gabby. Feels like there's been more scandal and betrayal than true love. And now it looks like happily ever after is a million miles away for both women. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And tonight, fucked me up. So (laughs) I'm going to have to take some medicine right now. And I'm going to be taking this medicine throughout the course of our program. So you might have to, you might have to bear with me. Yeah, what we watched tonight, it fucked me up. And it's going to probably keep fucking me up for at least another two or three days. Because I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about what we saw. There's, there's so much to get to. I, we didn't even know the episode was three hours until we were doing our live and someone told us and couldn't believe my ears. And I thought, surely they will have Eric Schwer apologize for the blackface with that time. Surely they'll have him apologize for the dating, the doing the Jed move. Surely they will. We will get to if they had him apologize for that or not, or even addressed it at all. Or chose to not even acknowledge that it ever happened or existed. Give him a a Ben Higgins style edit, in fact. If Ben Higgins had one little slip up. Well, I mean, we'll get to it. I'm just going to get to it right now to some degree. Then we'll get to it later Mm -hmm. in, in more in depth. But clearly they needed a couple to come out of tonight as a success story. This is why Sean Lowe and Catherine Giudici were present to grace us with the benevolent knowledge that this process does work. Look, it worked for the golden boy and Catherine. They're married, living a great life, as he says, with multiple children. The process works. Don't fucking question that. The golden boy being there tonight elevated tonight's events so much. And it reminds you why you want the Council of Crowns at the finale, why you want them at the premiere, why you want them checking in with the next lead. Even if they're not with their person, they can still offer advice. And it just, we need that. The freshman classes of leads are struggling. You know what it also reminds us of? That we need and we want the producers who produced that season, season 17. Because the ones we got now are the worst that have ever existed in the history of our show. I firmly believe after watching tonight that the producers creating this show don't understand it at all. They are throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. It is a hodgepodge of bad ideas after bad ideas that are ultimately producing this final product, this final show that is just a mess. It really was hard to watch tonight. It feels like they don't even care. Like, 
We don't want to pick the fucking fimp. We want to pick the fucking bachelor. Why are we not picking the bachelor? Yes, couldn't agree more. Because they need to know that the bachelor is someone who can be controlled. The America's Fimp Rose that they did tonight is a gimmick, obviously. It's meaningless. It's like, oh, send in some tweets and look, we'll we'll put these five players. By the way, they chose only those five. So we're picking out of those five. And then there's going to be another mm-hmm. fimp on night one anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, they already... It seemed like they had one person in mind for the fimp who had an extraordinary limo exit, all of which were prepared by yes. the producers. So they Correct. could pick who they wanted to give their best limo exits to. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, we're going to get to all of this as it happens in in the timeline, but... Ahead of ourselves. I just wanted to make known that I've taken some medicine and I will be taking some more throughout the course of this episode. Ooh, codeine clues is back. It's not codeine. It's a different medicine. (laughs) One grown of the earth. uh, Hmm. Marijuana. But yeah, this episode was just, it was intense. It was historic in some ways, multiple ways, which we will get to. But uh, before we do... We should mention that we have some merchandise that anyone can pick up at GameOfRoses.co. We got a bunch of those t-shirts with the Game of Roses logo on it. We got those t-shirts that say Sauce Wars on it, which are some of my favorite. <laughs> I actually really love that design. Elle talking fantastic work. Oh, it's such a good design. We also have a Gore logo tie-dye baseball hat, which I have been peacocking around town in constantly. It's gorgeous. And we also have a green logo bag where 50% of the profits will go to the National Network of Abortion Funds. So please feel free to check that out again at gameofroses.co. And now we're going to do what we came here for. We're going to break down this three-hour mega event. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game, This is Game of Roses. We begin tonight's episode in a dark studio. This is a somber note they are beginning the entire thing on. This is not happy. This is not fun. This is not the cheering crowd we usually see at a live event. It is a fucking dark stage. The lights come up on DLP, but only a little bit. Not full illumination. He's still in shadows, still enjoying the embrace of his dark power. And he says, welcome to the live three-hour season finale of The Bachelorette. He addresses the dual lead thing right up front. Very serious. No sound from the audience. Not even a fucking whisper. They're not clapping, cheering, nothing. Dead silence. Just DLP's voice. We thought we'd be doubling our chances for a happy ending, but it hasn't turned out that way. He's essentially giving you the solemn apology that the process might not have worked this time. But don't worry, we've got Golden Boy Sean Lowe in the audience. So you know it does work, just not this time. And then he says, there's hope. And he tells us that Eric is going to be made to answer for the damning text messages. Then the house lights come up, and now we get the audience. Everybody's cheering, and we start to see a few signs. By the way, in this intro, he also says, maybe Tino can convince Rachel that his indiscretions are a momentary lapse in judgment. This is not something that I knew about. Same. I didn't know about any of this. He just summarizes it as if like this was common knowledge. Yeah. I didn't know about this at all. I didn't see any of it on social media. 
uh, I was like, okay, what is this? Are they making a story out of this? Which then led me to go to my own strange conspiracy town where none of it's true. But I have no idea what's true after watching this, which is another problem. At any rate. <laughs> That's always how I feel after watching The I'm Bachelor. so confused by it all. <laughs> just because there's so many fucking players. I don't really know any of them well. So even when it got to the Tino shit, I was just kind of like, ah, I don't care. I don't know this guy at all from this show. I don't know enough mm -hmm. about their relationship to care about it succeeding or failing. Same is true with yeah. Gabby and... Uh, Eric, I wasn't rooting for it one way or the other. I was just merely rooting for interesting things to happen in their conversation, which they did. <laughs> yeah, there, there were definitely some interesting things. We'll get to that. We're getting ahead of ourselves again. Okay, we've okay, got <laughs> in the audience. Rachel Recchia's family is there. <laughs> Friend Nate, the bomb dropper, is also there. And there is someone holding up a sign that reads, where in the world is Alex? And it has, I believe, a picture of the first Bachelor, Alex Michelle, with a bunch of question marks, this like nod to Conspiracy Town. And that's why this member of the audience was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I mean, I loved this as well. It was not my Jorge Moreno. That will come much later. But uh, yeah, any reference back to the first Bachelor, the guy who started this whole goddamn thing, Alex Michelle, who famously, at least famously, if, if you're in the pit, doesn't have an Instagram, has no social media presence whatsoever. I feel like this was a play for the pit. You know, it was a a play for the people who are deep in the forums. You know, it wasn't like, oh, Gabby says, yeah, a lot. Or go, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> Where is Alex <laughs> Michelle? <laughs> not something that is discussed in the episode. One of these things was yes. not like the other. And that was the thing. That is a deep fucking cut. And I agree with you. That's some conspiracy town shit. Loved it. Uh, so then we see that DLP intros, uh, the parents, like you said, and then he intros Bachelor Nation royalty. And we cut to a shot of Becca Kufrin, Michelle Young, Caitlin Bristow, and then two people sitting above that row. The king and queen of this entire Bachelor royal court, golden boy, angelic Christian Sean Lowe. And his wife and ring winner of Bachelor Season 17 and mother of his three children and dog also that they have. I know way too much about it. But that's only because he is so important. But they sit there. Sean Lowe, Catherine Giugici. They're sitting there uh, presiding over this whole thing. And the way they're sitting. These aren't even in my notes. Now I'm just going through it in uh -oh. my head. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to get to the first hot seat in our recap. <laughs> I can't help it. This motherfucker is sitting there, just casual, nonchalant arm around her, like around the back of her seat, like he's at a fucking movie theater or something. He's so above mm -hmm. all of this. It, it's You can feel it in his posture, in the way he's looking, even in the way that they've chosen to seat him like that. <laughs> the king with his queen, literally sitting above the other tier. You're not them. You didn't do this. They went through the process and it worked for them. The only couple in at least bachelor history that that is true of. Um, mm -hmm. That's why he's the most important bachelor. 
Yeah. He's the only one who has said that the process is for TRR. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because it was for him. But you do get the feeling from him that he's like, why am I here? What is happening now in this thing is fucking below me. I got that feeling anyway from him, from his face, from his posture. I mean, he was during the golden era, during the era where they would, you know, right that led into, you know, all of these seasons with huge ratings where they did that like three hour live premiere red carpet event that one year, Colton season. It was a different thing. And I think part of what shocked me about seeing him there was it was so out of place because we've gotten so used to not seeing the alums anymore. It's just like weird fans. I include myself in that. <laughs> it's not just weird fans though. What they the usually now the Council of Crowns or anytime they bring somebody back like that, it's people from the official podcasts. And and Bristow is kind of like on the periphery of that, a fence player. Vial, also a fence player. These are not Bachelor Nation official podcasts, but they do have very big Bachelor podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then you have Kufrin and Michelle Young, the hosts of Bachelor Happy Hour. Those all make sense to me. They're like contemporarily in the Bachelor commentary world at the very least, if not still working for the company. Sean Lowe and his wife, though, they're fucking just off living their lives. They're not a part of any of that. But they have yeah. some weird obligation to keep being chained to this thing as the fucking shining example of what the process truly is. We should have counted that. We probably do have it, actually, the ability to look look up how many times they were brought back. They used to get brought back every single year for many years. Yeah, we could do it. We could do that. We just have to go through, um, <laughs> you know, what would it be? There's 26 Bachelor seasons and 19 Bachelorette seasons. We just have to go back through all of those documents, those like 350 pages a piece. We could do it. We, it would take some time, but we could do it. God damn it. We have the data. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we that was I mean, that was the biggest thing that happened in this episode to me, other than them not addressing the blackface scandal. So it is important that we talk about it, even though it's before the first hot seat. <laughs> No, it was massively important. I agree. So uh, then we see him say, DLP says, let's get this thing started. They bring out Gabby and Rachel not holding hands. He sits them down. He asks them how they're feeling. They're both ready to see how it all plays out. It's like that you're watching that now if their hands are touching. <laughs> they only stopped. They only came in uh, not touching one another, not as a single entity starting in these lives. For every other time they come into scenes during the season, they're always holding hands. And I think it's a producer play. I don't know. Just me. Anyway, they're both ready to see how it all plays out. DLP says, let's begin this thing. It starts right now. And then we get the the uh, promo for basically what we're going to see. Gabby says no one uh, can tell her she's crazy. We see them both at their final pedestals. Rekia wants answers. There's ponder shots, dress shots. Tino's doing kisses. Forced girl chats. Gabby loves Eric. Her dreams are coming true. Gabby isn't trying to be dramatic. Rekia isn't trying to be crazy. There's a rose on the pedestal. Tino's getting down. Uh, or says he's getting thrown under the bus, and then Tino has to tell her everything. The most shocking season finale ever. Rekia says her head is spinning. She's done. Back in the studio, the leads hug each other, and then we cut to a commercial. We've seen nothing at this point, except basically a shot of an Alex Michelle sign and Sean Lowe, and we are cutting to a commercial. There is no information given about anything in this entire first portion. There was one portion that I had like three lines of notes because it was an ad and I was like, oh, that was a whole portion. Interesting. Portion two begins. 
DLP calls the celebs friends from the past are here too. I thought that was interesting. And we go back into the show. Gabby's talking to production. We're back in that scene from what feels like a million years ago last week. Gabby says, I'm not trying to be dramatic. No one can tell me I'm crazy. Did you hear what he said to me? And he's next to her in this whole conversation. And I suppose we can categorize this under her last date with Eric. And Eric is like, if we were to end right now, I'd be destroyed. I've fallen for you. I want to leave with you, whatever it takes. It's genuinely real. Love that reference, which I never would have fucking expected. I'm getting fucking emotional. He's adding the effort in here for emphasis. And we see Gabby's face in the emotion box as they're watching this. And Gabby, they walk out. Everything seems to be fine. Gabby says, I'm sorry. Everything had to be so dramatic. They make out. Mm, not a real problem. That was shocking. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't to me uh, for reasons that we'll get to later. I, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've had too much medicine, <laughs> you see. Uh, so she ITMs this LL4 for him. And yeah, it's just like, okay, everything's great. And in the box, we see Rachel and Gabby are laughing as they're watching this at the line of um, Gabby in an ITM says it's scary because this can be taken away at any second. And they kind of start laughing. And I think it's because producers tell them to say that shit in ITMs and they both are like, oh my God, they always get you to say these dumb fucking lines. That's what that laugh kind of came across to me. Mm. As. Um, then we go back into the document. Rekia now gets her recap of the breakup with Avon. She ITMs that it was hard, but at the end of the day, she knows uh, where her heart is. And that's with Tino. She knock knocks Tino, bunch of kisses here. And she ITMs that she's going to tell him that he's the LMS, last man standing. When she tells... Tino, that he is the last man standing. Tino makes this face a complete stone face. There's a tiny little smile. His smile goes up the tiniest little bit. And this was my face play of the game. It was such a non-reaction that I was like, did they, did he already know this? It was weird. I agree with you. It was just kind of like, oh, it was like he won the game, but he didn't he didn't want to let on that he was happy about it or something. This whole scene had some great face play, as did the later one. But we then cut back to the studio. DLP says it seems like all signs are pointing toward love for you two. But will it stay that way? But first, an exclusive look at Kardashians on Hulu. And we go directly to a fucking Kardashians commercial. This is like testing my love for the Kardashians. Yes. And they keep doing this. I agree with you. Like, I watched season one. If you, if I have to watch this trailer one more fucking time during Bachelor, I'm going to still watch season two, but probably later than I would have. <laughs> That'll show them. <laughs> Portion three begins. <laughs> then we're still uh, in the first hot seat with Rachel Recky and Gabby. And CLP once again calls it a star-studded event. And they zoom in on Becca Kufrin, Michelle Young, and uh, Caitlin Bristow. I mean, Michelle Young and Becca Kufrin are literally forced to be there, right? Like, they have no choice. They seem like prisoners. Correct. Absolutely no choice in this. And DLP then starts telling Rekia, you've been put through the ringer. He says, no matter what, when they zoom out to the other celebrities, he says, all of America is rooting for you and your happiness. And he tries to give this idea. This is where it really starts. That we know we fucked you over, 
but now you're part of the bachelor family and the, the leads are going to take care of you. They're going to talk to you later and say they've got your back and this whole audience yeah. is cheering for you. The fourth audience loves you. So don't worry that we completely fucking destroyed your life. Don't worry that we orchestrated all of this shit and are going to continue to make it worse and worse and worse for you. Look, you've got this fake audience that loves you. All of America is rooting for you and your happiness, except for the hundreds and thousands of people on Rachel Reckia's Instagram comments and in her DMs saying incredibly hateful shit about Rachel Reckia wanting a proposal. But it's like as long as they can put the idea of it in the document, that's all that matters. That's what the show is. It's selling the lie that any of this is real. Even that, yeah. even the consolation they're trying to give her is not real. But they're selling that it is. They're trying to seem 4TR here. Right. And it is not coming off. This is a 4TWR play. <laughs> Let me fucking tell you that much by the producers. Um, but then we go back into the document and we get a, another girl chat. Both of the leads are sitting down. Rekia tells um, Gabby that Tino is the last man standing. Gabby says she won that for her. Why? I don't know. Did she know Tino very well? And then Rekia says all these reasons that Tino is great. We get no new information here. These forced girl chats, I think, were one of the worst things to come from this season. They never came off mm -hmm. as real. They always came off as very scripted and just like expositional. Yeah, like a scene people are performing. Yeah, exactly. And we're the information that we get in these girl chats are things we've already seen for ourselves. They're just telling each other here who their last man standing is. We literally just saw the scenes where that happened. No, there's not. It's the same information over and over again in different forms. And there's no like added color onto it like it would be if there was a real friendship. Like, oh, and, you know, but I'm not sure about Tino. He is sweating so much more than any other human being. <laughs> like, <laughs> if there was just some sort of, like, I don't know, real, like, thing that made, made it feel like these were real relationships. Yeah. They don't have that at all in this season. Not even in the friendship. Although there was this one thing. But I, not that I doubt that they're friends. I think they really, truly are in real life. But the way the show is producing mm -hmm. that friendship does not make that come across. It feels very shitty. We're both about to get engaged to our dream guys. Yeah. My mind at that at that line when they're both like, yeah, dream guys. And I'm like, they're both in a scandal. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> yeah. I know. God damn it. The dream guy is like... I think of the texts. Oh, God, the texts, the blackface picture in his yearbook. Anyway, they love level for each other and hug. A seagull flies over the hotel. The next day, Rachel Recchia opens curtains in a robe. She's pondering and puts on a white halter dress. We see Tino getting ready. Rachel Recchia is excited that she's giving her final rose to the same person who got her fimp. The white peacock is back. I think they show this right after Rachel Recchia's like kind of giant white getup. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> I feel like they're trying to make some sort of comparison here. And we get the final rose ceremony for Tino. DLP greets him at the Path of Pain. Tino says he has a lot of nerves, but wants to get this right. And I'm like, wait a second. What am I hearing? I was like, they didn't turn the fountains off. It sounds like someone is pissing on a microphone this whole scene. Yes. Someone was pissing on a microphone. That's really what happened, probably. 
No, I agree with you. It's This has been a problem for them in the past couple of seasons. It started in the bubble seasons where they would shoot some very important scenes next to like a giant fucking waterfall. Or Michelle Young by the ocean. <laughs> yeah, by the ocean or whatever. And you're just like, I can't hear a fucking word they're saying. They've done it here again. Seemingly, in this entire final rose ceremony place... We'll get to it later. It's uh -huh. my creature of the week, but we'll get to it later. They made a very bad choice where certain animals that make loud noises were concerned. But um, something that struck me here, as Tino comes out and meets DLP and then uh, goes down the path of pain, we got no Neil Lane, no scene mm. of him selecting a sparkler or not. Usually, even if the, the guy is you know, hemming and hawing about will I propose or not, you usually still get the scene of him looking at rings with Neil Lane. And that even reinforces the idea that he's thinking about shit, should I do this or not? Well, it, that's because it was a 4TWR proposal. We saw the shot of Eric looking at the rings. Exactly. Tino is a villain. We can't make it seem good in any way. They don't want to associate. They don't want to associate the rings with villains. <laughs> yeah. Neil Lane was like, eh, you can let him show the ring at the very end when he proposes, but not before that. Don't show him looking at the rings. It's too much. <laughs> Neil Lane wasn't in this whole episode either. That's historic. We hope you're okay, Neil Lane, if you're out there. The diamond demon of Bachelor Nation. It was a glaring omission. I agree. I missed him very much. But Tino finally walks the path of pain, gets to the altar, a few kisses, and then Rekia recaps their relationship and compliments his charm and humor, and she hasn't ever met anyone in her life like him. She's so selfless, gentle, supportive. A big speech about not feeling deserving of the Bachelorette crown kind of ends this here, her vows, and she says she couldn't be happier that this is the big moment because she's so madly in love with him. Drops that LL4. Can't wait to spend the rest of her life with him. Kiss, kiss, kiss. His turn, he sighs. He says he knows she's been blindsided in the past. Love given and taken away. The last thing he ever wants to do is break her heart, but there's something he has to say. This is never going away. So he's got a whole scripted paragraph here that's leading her down the road of I'm about to dump you. I don't know if a producer helped him do this or he just thought it'd be funny to do, but that's mm -hmm. what he does. And then he comes back. No, no, no. This is never going away. There's a kiss. He recaps their five-week relationship from one night to the final, from night one to the final altar. And then he says that this journey really did make him believe in fate. And uh, we see Rekia's head in the box watching this from the studio. She, at this point, cannot hide her contempt. We know that like something no. very bad is going to happen. <laughs> She's just fucking staring daggers out of that box at him. They, I mean, they obviously don't care because it's a spoiler her face in itself. Oh, you don't think they care about spoilers? Wait till we get to one during the next girl chat. Unreal. These fucking producers. We'll get to it. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, that got me fucking enraged. I couldn't believe I saw it. Anyway, we'll get there. Then Tino goes on to say how confident she makes him feel and his love keeps growing. He LL4s her and he says he will love her until the end of time. He wants to dedicate the rest of his life to making her feel cherished and loved. And there's only one more question to ask. He gets on the bended knee, opens the ring box. We finally see the Neil Lane trademark little logo in there with the ring. And he proposes. She says, yes, many kisses, ring on the finger, uh, LL force from both of them. And then she says, there's one more thing. She gives him the final rose. He accepts. This is an official final rose. Tino accepts it. That's a zero pointer. And with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight total roses, because Tino did get a femp, he finishes the season with a 1.5 rose quotient. Pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. Although Avon had a one, so a little better. Dang. Those are some low scores, though. 
Yeah, which are good with rose quotients. Is that because of a shortened season? No, I mean, usually the the top place finishers are always in like the zero to two range. Hmm. Tino proposes, Rachel Reckia quotes Catherine Giudici, I'm shaking, and we're getting all of these peacock squawks. And I don't know if they are adding in more squawks to make it seem like it's like some sort of a celebration or what is happening, but there's just constant squawking. Yeah. And Rachel Reckia gives Tino her final rose. They scream, we're engaged. They do the joint ITM. The twirl, they're making out. Rachel Reckia says, this is the happiest moment of my life and I love you. And then the pair exit the premises via a gorgeous white stallion, perhaps Blanco, the horse from earlier this season, who I have named the Rachel Reckia Gabby Windy horse race after. Blanco, is that you? But this horse is carrying the pair of them off to their happily ever after, question mark. And that's why it was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. It's a good creature. The best. I bought a, a horse statue from the mansion itself. So I know the power of the equine symbol in our beloved game, but it was not my creature of the week, but that was a very good creature. Then back in studio, DLP says, I remember that day like it was yesterday. He says, you were glowing. That is a fucking dark glow. I don't know if we've ever seen a dark glow. Not from DLP. DLH might have given one or two. What is this? What is happening? <laughs> I swear to God, every, everyone said glow in this episode. Yeah, everybody was saying glow, throwing them around. But he says, watching her face, he can tell it isn't the end of the story with you and Tino, and you'll need to be drunk for the next part, basically. He says, get your wine. (laughs) Call back to the casting card. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of which there were only two, and they were very tasteful in this episode. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to those. Anyway, in studio, Rekia is alone on the couch. DLP DLP asked her to catch us up on everything that's happened since that magical day in Mexico because some bad shit obviously must have gone down. She says she felt like she had found her person. She was excited to leave, had hope for the future. It was great for a while. She thinks everyone who has been a lead knows that when you leave the show, there are growing pains in your relationship and it's difficult as you're watching back. And she says they went through a difficult time. She uses the word difficult. A lot. 2,000 times in this. They had difficulties. This was difficult. The difficult part was more difficult than the other difficult part. And then she uh, said she always tried, and that's all she wanted in a partner, but she wasn't feeling the support from Tino. They tried to figure out how to move forward. She thought they had, but it didn't turn out that way. A few weeks after they had some more difficulty, he brought up some concerns about relationships from the past coming forward. She said if it happened in the past, let's talk about it, but he didn't tell her. And then she says she got a phone call from him about these previous relationships, and everyone knows it didn't work out. He cheated on her which is the first time I'm hearing this. And then DLP asks if she's doing okay. And she goes, no, uh, she's heartbroken. <laughs> she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with him, et cetera, et cetera. And she's basically just explaining that, um, you know, Tino cheated on her and it's rough, but this is what happened. DLP says, and then we cut back to the document. We see uh, Rekia is spinning the sparkler in her fingers. No longer wearing it on those fingers and she's ITMing that this is the first time she's going to talk to Tino since he told her that he cheated on her. We see then Gabby comes to do this pre-knock-knock at the Airbnb where Rekia is staying. Now, you can kind of see it when she first comes in 
but later you can really see it. Gabby is wearing her engagement ring. So if you have any questions about whether or what? not, yes, if you have any questions about whether or not she <laughs> and Eric Schwer are engaged that you're going to see coming up, that's the finale of the show. In case you're wondering what happens in the finale, here's where they tell you what happens. Here's where they spoil their own show inside their own show. It is fucking insane how bad you have to be at producing to not have the foresight like, oh, mm. we're well, going to air I'm this during the final episode. So, Gabby, take off your fucking wedding ring. I I am really bad at noticing if people have rings on. I know that that's a m much more common thing to observe. But and so I didn't notice this, but that is really bad. That's like the worst. You <laughs> It's not even like a, a minor thing. Like she's walking around and you can just kind of see it flash on her finger every once in a while. There's a fucking literal shot of her where she's sitting across from Rachel Ruck and they're talking and she puts her whole fist up and kind of leans her oh hand on it. God. And the ring is like the biggest thing in the frame. This is making me feel very unobservant. The fucking editors even like, let's say, okay, fine. You shot it out of order and you didn't know that you, you needed to watch for that continu yeah. continuity. Fine. You're still putting this episode together that the pieces of it anyway, the document pieces, the non-live pieces, you're editing that shit. Zoom in on the face. Don't put the hand in. Or blur it out. They can put fake bikinis on fucking people. You just go in and paint it out. It just looks like Gabby has these weird like skin-colored gloves on the whole episode. Better, like, hmm. better than the engagement ring. I would at least be like, what the fuck is going on? But in this case, I was like, oh, I don't need to watch the rest of the fucking episode now. I know what the fuck's going to happen. And I also know from that that they're going to make him a hero. He's not going to have to answer for anything. They're going to have to make him. Oh if gosh. she's engaged, I know that they're going to have to try to make him into Sean Lowe. That's why Sean Lowe is there to anoint their fucking relationship as real and valuable and in quotes, genuine. Anyway, I mean, all of that from Gabby wearing the wedding I'm ring. I'm really glad I didn't notice it. And I'm sorry you went through that. I'm telling you. <laughs> Good Lord. You knew they weren't going to discuss it from that. I mean, that's very smart. It was true. <laughs> Bachelorette season 19, finale episode two. You took things from me. <laughs> I am not the same as I was before tonight. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, click a link, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. So they stumble through this shitty conversation about how Tino only cares about how he's going to look. They shit all over Tino. And Rekia says, you can't be forgiven for what you're not sorry for, what you do. Gabby's doing some good, disgusted face play here. Oh, yeah. She had some pretty good face play in this. Uh, not my face play the game, but she was very good. I agree. And they go into this whole narrative about how Tino cared more about how this was uh, going to make him look than Rekia, basically. And Rekia even says that he told her not to tell anyone, which is insane if he actually said that. Because you're on The Bachelor. It's a show not to tell anyone. But I will say, I didn't know about this. So whatever protocol he had in place. I didn't know about this either. I didn't know. I assumed something had gone wrong. Because of his father's Facebook posts. Uh, but I did not know this. And yeah. if Tino told Rachel Reccia in this part of the season to not tell anyone, 
This was my error, 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 error of the game. It's it's an immediate vilification. You're going to immediately get vilified for that because it's 4TWR. Well, yeah, it means you know that the thing you did was wrong, clearly. If you don't want anyone else to know about it, it means you don't want to have to apologize for it and you know it was shitty. That's all that can mean. And she points this out, doesn't allow her to get any emotional support for what she's going through. Right. From friends or family. Yeah, so they they set Tino up here. He's the bad guy for sure in this situation. And we begin portion mm-hmm. five back at the Airbnb. They ended on Gabby saying, fuck him, kick him in the balls. You don't deserve this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we cut back to the Airbnb and we see Tino showing up for his ball kicking. And he has a <laughs> notebook carrying with him in his hand. This notebook will feature prominently into the rest of this segment. Gabby is no longer there, I suppose. Recky answers the knock. He comes in. He seems nervous. He's almost looking at all the cameras and producers. He's not looking at her when he first sits down, which is interesting. He's like, really? This has to be on camera? Maybe there was some part of him that thought it wouldn't be. I don't know. Uh, And he says that he messed up and he kissed another girl. But the second he did, he knew he belonged with Recky and it was the tiniest thing ever. And he's not taking away from the emotional roller coaster that he put her on, he said. Uh, And he's going to tell her anything she wants to know. She says everything. And he goes, it was a girl. Before the show, <laughs> we never went on a date. And then I'm going on the show. I better not muddy the water before I go in. The show ends. They ran into each other at a bar, had a lot of catching up to do. And then the premiere week where he called her hmm. and there was some stuff that he heard that week that she told him. And then he brings out the journal right as he's trying to turn the tables here. This isn't my fault. You said some shit that made me have to kiss this other woman is what he's about to try and pull <laughs> on her. And... uh <laughs> When he brings out the notebook to show the receipts, this was my error, 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 error of the game. You're going against a fucking sitting crown. If you make that attack, it has to be unassailable. Air fucking tight. We have seen other players Try to step to crowns and be like, fuck you, you're an asshole. Hannah Ann Sluss to Popeye. Which I would argue didn't quite work. It worked for her ultimately as a player, but it didn't really vilify him in the way that I think she was trying to do it. But I would argue that Juan Pablo Galavis has had this happen to him twice in a row on the same season by (laughs) Andy Dorfman and Claire Crawley. They both issued a very good first audience attack. But here, it's like post facto. It's not even in the construct of the game. This is coming off more of like a, an Ari and Kufrin. After you've been caught cheating. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Also caught. I mean, he's done an action that's like pretty much unforgivable in any real way. Nonetheless, he brings out this fucking notebook and you're just like, dude, you're fucked. I, it means you've been thinking of a strategy coming here and made fucking notes on it. Rachel Reckia is like, I'm a student of this game. I've watched reality TV. When you bring out the binder or the printed out text messages or the journals... Yeah. It's not for TRR. Don't get caught with the rule book. That's rule number one of how to win The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, you hollow out a Bible and you put it in that. <laughs> so they go through this fucking conversation <laughs> where he's like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, she's in a bad place. Can't put any effort into this. He starts like reciting all these things that she supposedly said to him. She disputes a lot of it where he says, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to therapy. 
her reaction to that is a giant, wide-eyed, open-mouthed look of shock. And this look was my... Face play of the game. This scene produced potentially the best face play all season time and time and time again. After every next accusation Tino makes, <laughs> her face play in reaction to it is fucking off the charts good. Yeah. I, and I got to say, that was one of the biggest surprises to me this season was Rekia's face play. I really mm-hmm. thought, and we've talked about this before, I thought Gabby was just going to dominate the face play between the two of them, and that did not turn out to be true. Rekia, I think, took the face play award between the two of them. Yeah, Gabby is more of a physical comedian, like her whole body and yeah. verbal comedian. Yeah. Rachel Rekia is so expressive in her face, and you can you can feel how upset she is in this scene with yeah. her looks. You know, I preferred just Tino's non-reaction to the... LMS, Last Man Standing, but astounding face play by Rachel Recchia. And she is not happy about the receipt. She says, I went to therapy. I was doing press. I was exhausted. And they basically kind of vaguely allude to the fact that being the Bachelorette was like horrible for Rachel Recchia and exhausting. And it's this other job. And these people are obviously not prepared for this. She's a pilot. She's not a media person. Correct. And I, I, I felt the exact same way. And then ultimately what happens is uh, Tino starts to panic and is like, I'm not trying to panic. I'm not trying to panic. And uh, he winds up going into the backyard where he's talking to a producer about being thrown under the bus. And he says, this is nothing more than making me look bad. Like, was she working on this the whole time? <laughs> it's like, dude, you brought in the notebook. Uh, and then he starts <laughs> crying. She prepared for this conversation also. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe this. Um he then starts crying and says, let me out of this. Just let me out. Tell her to break up with me. And that's where we end portion five. Let me out. That one generated some sympathy for Tino and uh-huh. me. Um, I was like, fuck. I mean, he did this bad thing, of course. But it's like the fact that it's on national TV always makes it worse. You're going to have death threats and shit tomorrow, Tino. Yes. Um, and the f- to hear like that seemed real to me. The emotion of him saying, just let me out. He produces tears to a producer when he thinks he's off camera. Correct. And says she's totally crucifying me. Yeah. And he's right about that. This whole thing was definitely set up to make you look as bad as possible so that she can get a good victimization edit. And we will have sympathy for her as a um, viewer. Or at least this is what the producers think. But I got to say, there was that moment where he said that, just let me out of this, where I was like, fuck, they fucking ruined that guy. Yeah. And he knows it. Let me out. Tell her to break up with me. Let me out. Yeah. Like, he feels like he doesn't have any, like, he's trapped and he doesn't have any recourse. And that he has no control over that uh, relationship either. That he's saying, producer, you tell her to break up with me. Like, you control this situation. I know that you do. Get that outcome, please, so that I can be freed from this. It was a very... I'm, I was astounded that they left that in the document because I thought yeah. of, of almost any moment that happened tonight, it was the one that made the show look the worst. That they were like mm. torturing this guy psychologically and he ha- could not escape. Yeah, he got it pretty bad this episode. Also, the, the Avon thing while he's still in the hot seat. It's so petty. It is, but it also is like the... 
the toll of it. And I'm not saying that this guy didn't do fucking nasty shit or whatever. Of course he did. He cheated on her. It's terrible. But like in the the actual terms of a human being doing that, you have a big fight and it's going to be a shitty time in your life. Yes. And you're going to have to deal with if it doesn't involve a breakup or a divorce or like what are the repercussions of it that will affect your life. But you don't have to deal with this other thing that is millions of fucking people seeing this shit happen and judging you for Mm -hmm. it and shit. And uh, the longer that they drag him into this and make him stay there, he knows in this moment the worst that part of it is going to be. He's a student of this game. We've seen that. He was watching Tyler Cameron many years ago. He has seen the Becca Kufrin Ari breakup footage, which is what this scene reminded me of a lot. Me too. Me too. It was right in line with it. It felt very similar. Portion six. Tino walks by two producers and sits down on the couch with the journal. And he's like, what did you want out of this? And Rachel Reich says, I want answers uh, that I truly believe I deserve. You're not taking accountability and shattering everything you promised me. And then you came to turn it around on me. And he says, I don't want to excuse my actions. I want to own them. I was under the impression we were pretty much done. Then we got on this better trajectory with therapy and you did everything amazingly. I tried to forgive my, myself and bury it, but not getting your hair over something so tiny. Yeah. Oh, man. That was not the good choice of word, dude. <laughs> there was a good good face play to this one. He says, I didn't want to pile <laughs> yeah, on. And she says, do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? Oh, fuck. Yeah. She says, you're trying to minimize it. Minimize it, calling it tiny, tell me the truth. He needs to step out again. And she's upset he can't have a full conversation. And then Tino takes a phone call. Yeah. Uh, Who is he calling? I'm not at liberty to say. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was clues on the other end of the line. Let's just say he got some very good advice. Tino, you take your shirt off immediately. (laughs) Immediately. Is your shirt still on? Mistake number one. (laughs) Take off your shirt and run. When the producer comes at you to try and put the handcuffs on you, throw the shirt on their head and then run out the back gate. Tino is suddenly, his entire shirt is unbuttoned exposing his bare chest and Tino flashing the fourth audience and the first audience. This unexplained voluntary nudity play by Tino was my play, 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 play of the game. Ooh, I can explain it. I mean, I can explain it too, but... Okay. The explanation came to me like kind of late. And I was yeah. like, oh, he was probably just trying to take his mic off. Yeah. And I was bummed when I thought that. <laughs> I preferred to think of it as like he was like so hot and he was just like losing it. <laughs> he, you thought he literally ran into the backyard and was like, fuck this shit. I got to get this fucking shirt off. Oh. Just like <laughs> okay. Well, it was a moment that really struck me in the episode, and I was like, why not? Yeah. And it was in an episode with not that many good plays. I thought this was this was very interesting. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. I chalked it up to the mic, but I agree with you. Just seeing him standing out there 
semi-shirtless was bizarre. But she comes to track him down. I like the conspiracy town that you are on the other end with him and say, do a voluntary nudity play. It's your only chance. Yeah. <laughs> are you wearing your shirt still? Uh, Yeah, why? Take it off immediately. Confusion, chaos. That's the strategy here. Confusion, chaos. Lift a couple paint cans. Yeah. <laughs> Get back in there. <laughs> no, for the record, I was not talking to Tino on the other line. I will put that rumor to rest right now. It was not me. Oh, that's a rumor. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Is it like the rumor that you have a, a butterfly tattoo? Uh, tattoo? I don't have a butterfly tattoo. Tramp stamp. <laughs> I have a powerful dragon tattoo. This is a rumor that Darkseeker is trying to spread, and I think it's very funny. <laughs> I don't have a butterfly tattoo, though. I'm putting that rumor to rest as well. Eventually, she comes to track him down outside and ask him what's what he's doing, and he says he needed to talk to somebody. Again, we never find out who's on that phone. She says, am I not owed the truth? They go back inside. He love level fours her and says that's why he had to tell her. He loves her. And uh, she holds him to his lies about him saying he wished that he never told her. He maintains that they can make it through this and he'll spend the rest of his life making it up to her. She's the only one he wants. He'll take her at her lowest over anyone else's highest. And he just wants her, he says. She's like, I'm done. This is such a big deal for me. And we get literal claps from the audience. That audio is brought up. This is the big hero moment for Rekia. She gives the ring back and then uh, he takes it and leaves it on the table. This was an okay ring back moment, an okay giving mm -hmm. back the sparkler. I prefer Hannah Brown's maybe the most. I think she, hers for me was one of the best ones. How'd she do it? If I remember right, she threw it at him, didn't she? She did? I think she <sighs> threw it at Jed White. This doesn't mean the same thing to me anymore and threw it at him or tossed it at him or something. I could be making this up, but in my head, I think that's what she did. And I like slusses. I like Kufrin. I want to see one where they like try to light it on fire or they take like a mallet to it. I'm sure you got to pay for it if you do that. Mm. I wonder. I wonder if you could argue emotional duress or something. But nonetheless, we get another <laughs> ring back moment added to the canon. And then, uh, you know, this one I thought was like it was in the bottom of them. It didn't, again, because there was no narrative built up of like who these people were or what this relationship was. I just yeah. don't care. I don't care about any of it at its face. I'm watching it for plays and stuff. But again, it was hard to watch because it was just one drawn out error being played again and again and again and again by Tino, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I wrote down Tino misplayed this from top to bottom. And then he walks down the street as Rekia ITM's feeling crazy and having no idea what just happened. And, I think uh, Rekia could have leaned into the Hannah Brown, Hannah Sluss canon of, you know, you took this from me, the one proposal. She kind of hints at it, like, I want it to be a one special thing, but I feel like that could have been really emphasized. Then see Tino say, you deserve someone amazing who doesn't do this. I'm really sorry. And he walks out the back exit. We see, like, these pool floaties he's walking by. And Rachel Reckia talks to a producer and says, I actually feel crazy. Did that just happen? And Tito gets in the passenger seat of this car and is driven away. We cut back to the studio. Dark Lord Palmer. So, so sorry. For me personally, this is really hard to watch. He says to Rachel Reckia. <laughs> Dude, there's something. I got to say this about Dark Lord Palmer. His sincere voice ain't cutting it with me anymore. It's <laughs> it's like almost grotesque to watch. I'm so sorry. At least, and he doesn't have what Dark Lord Harrison had, which is this 
there was something very sinister in the way Dark Lord Harrison would say it. He would lean in and be like, there was almost like a pleasure he took in getting to console someone as they suffer because he could taste the suffering. I don't think DLP is quite there yet. He's just like trying to put on a fake concern. No, he doesn't like the suffering. He is an empathetic king. I don't know if that's true either, but uh, <laughs> he's somewhere in the middle. He's still learning. He's still getting his Dark Lord uh, wings. He can't quite fly yet. He says, everyone here is supporting you. Got to know what the last couple of weeks have been like for you. Everybody here is behind Rachel Recchia, right? And we cut to the squad. Michelle Young, Becca Kufrin, and KB. She has the stars behind her. Dark Lord Palmer says, you've been spending the past year trying to find love. Again, hinting at Clayton. Letting go of something right after you thought you finally found it. How heartbreaking was that? And she's like, I thought I'd be on a couch with a sparkler and a fiance. I'm in the same position as last time. And he asks if there's any part of her that still loves Tino. She says, I have love for him, but no. DLP asks Big Tony about how hard it is watching his daughter go through this. He's like... (laughs) I mean, fucking poor Big Tony. He didn't ask for this shit. Big Tony didn't say, please put me on the fucking camera and make me watch this shit of my daughter dealing with this guy who cheated on her and then ask me about it. Please do that. Fucking poor Big Tony. I felt bad for him, too. (laughs) Hashtag real men wear pink. He's like, it's difficult, but I support everything she does. DLP says, also legends. KB, you got an opinion? She is a legend, correctly identified. KB says, I'm so fired up for you. You owe him nothing. We saw eight different sides of him there. I'm so proud of how you navigated Everything people come into life for a season or a reason or a lifetime. And the reason is you learning how you deserve to be treated. And now you've got friendships for a love time. We love level for you. This is why she's the goat. She is fucking prepared. She's like, oh, I'm not going to be the host of this show anymore. Well, fuck you, Dark Lord Palmer. Here's the best advice you've ever heard from a crown to a new crown. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. This was scripted. This was rehearsed. And this was fucking delivered on a dime. She don't miss. Mm-hmm. It's unreal to see that on stage. And it's like, you're wasting this. Although I will say, I don't think she could be a dark lord. I think she can do anything. <laughs> I think they'd be the dream team. I, I don't think she has the darkness within her. I don't think she has the capacity for it. You love darkness. Dark Lord Palmer asks if Rekia has seen Tino, and she says, as he is a man who loves the written word, he sent her a letter <laughs> claiming <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> and also, like, what was in that fucking letter? She kind of paraphrases it, I guess, but like, can we see that letter? Fuck. Tino, please post that letter on your, or I guess she has it. Rachel Rekia, post that letter on your Instagram, please. Tino, give us some receipts. Fire back. Yeah, or at least the pages <laughs> of the journal. I want to see the game plan. Papa Franco style. <laughs> post it on Facebook. <laughs> Tag your father. In studio, back in portion seven. They bring Tino out after this prolonged, are you sure you're ready? From DLP, he keeps asking Rekia, are you sure you're ready to see Tino? Give us consent multiple times to do this thing that is going to be torturous to you. We need that on camera, (laughs) so we will be absolved. Tina then enters to a smattering of applause mixed with audible boos. I found that pretty interesting. 
Tino immediately apologizes. He didn't want anything to come off like he was putting this on her. He owns his actions completely. He's sorry for what he did and that it took so long for him to tell her and it came off like he was trying to put it on her. And then she says, came off like it was trying to put it. You were trying to put it on me. And and she's not allowing an inch here. If he doesn't word this apology exactly correctly, Mm -hmm. she's going to fucking tear it apart. And that's exactly what she does here. When he starts to slip back into that, like it came off like this. I care about how it looks more than it really was or blaming her in some way, either of those two tacks and he can't help himself. She draws it out of him. And, um, he then ultimately says at the end of this, I thought this was a great investigation by Rachel Recchia, very thorough lawyer esque. Yes. Yes. Just tore him a new asshole. In my opinion, absolutely eviscerated him. You know, Natasha Parker with Brendan Mariah style interrogation. <laughs> I totally agree. And this was a harder one to do because it was a subtler thing to extract. It wasn't like a very clear cut like, you. I am right. You are wrong. You lied and mm-hmm. I have evidence against you. It's like you were trying to do this weird manipulation in the breakup we had and I'm not going to let you fucking give, get even an inch of it. And so she has to yeah. like kind of drill into the conversation and find the weird thing. I thought she did this very, very well. Um, yeah, but at the end of it, Tino says to the audience, this is all <laughs> on me. I want to make that crystal clear. This is a direct dialogue he has with the fourth audience. I don't know that we've ever seen that before. Yeah. Audience. This is on me. I, d- I wrote this as well. I was like, huh, a direct address to the fourth audience. Haven't seen it. You don't really see it in the document. We've seen a direct audience <laughs> letters in the forums. Yes, definitely some stuff in the forums and and on uh, social media, but I don't think I've ever seen it in the document like this, but she keeps alluding to that there may be something else. Mm -hmm. Do you really want to talk about that? There were things they cut out, she says, that were personal things that maybe led us to being in a bad place. And then you sit here and bring them up again. What are these things? What the fuck? Now, Rekia is directly referencing the edit that certain important information was removed. Why? What is the purpose of the removal? His voting record. Both him oh, and Jesus Zach. Christ. <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of. What what else would it be? I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's more like about the relationship. Probably. I think it probably is more about the relationship too, but I don't know what it is. But then he brings up uh the not wearing the ring that she said she wasn't gonna wear the ring, how that came into play. She maintains that she never said they weren't on a break. She's confused, keeps hammering him about the engagement and and being on a break they keep talking about and he takes this long awkward pause and then he says he doesn't want to bring her family into it he says what he did was wrong she deserves better he's really sorry he's trying to be sincere here i don't know if it's exactly coming off that way but he says that he wanted to be with her and couldn't imagine how hard it was going to be for her to deal with everything or how hard it would be to watch it back and recky says there's no excuse for what you did we get applause from the whole audience here. Another big hero moment. And um, she said nothing's making sense to her still. She's not getting like the the true victory from him in this argument, even though she's getting the reward for it from the audience. And he keeps bringing up the fucking ring thing. She says she never said it again. Tino maintains that she said it on camera. He's like, I just watched it happen. She clarifies if they went back to dating, she said she wouldn't wear the ring. We get into the semantics of this little argument here. And they keep cutting to the Bachelor royalty area during this segment. And we see them shaking their heads and disapproving of Tino. It's like watching a jury almost. Mm. Just no. 
He's a villain. The gladiator movie when they give the thumbs down in the audience. Exactly. Are you not entertained? Emperor Sean Lowe's thumbs downing him. And then Rekia gets the last word in the argument. We both know the truth and what you did is inexcusable. And I don't have the words right now. DLP thanks them both for being there and says, but before we move things forward, there's someone here tonight who demands a chance to talk with Rekia. And then fucking Avon comes out and stands very awkwardly on stage. It appears that the producers did not know how to shoot this at all. And this is heavy producer manipulation here. Tino is forced to sit there and watch Avon come in and perform a steal. He asks her if she wants to, in quotes, get out of here and catch up. This is all scripted. I guarantee Dark Lord Palmer knew about it. Rekia may not have known about the... Uh, she might not have known about any of it, actually. And I don't think Tino probably did. I think Palmer might not have known. He's the host. They have to tell him. They can't leave the host hanging out to dry because he's running that show. He has to know everything know. that's going to happen. Has to. Absolutely has to. Sweet man. Okay. They just send him out there. Just sit in this chair and do what comes natural. Okay, bye. He did seem to be doing some improv. Yeah, I know. That didn't go very well. <laughs> he needs some work on his improv. I will give you that. Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank you. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quince, King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims Avon does this this steal you know what he he should have been like can i steal you for a second he should have leaned into the stealing of it i agree but uh tino's left to watch it all dop pretends to not know what's happening but he clearly does and that's the end of this segment now This was an interesting thing for Tino to have shown up for in the first place. They call you and they ask you to come to this fucking thing. You don't have to show up to that thing. You can object and not go. He fucking went, I think, because he wanted to try and clear his name and just be like, I'm going to go out there and apologize, and that'll be that. What he should have done, in my opinion, is at every turn just said, well, you know, at least I didn't do blackface in high school, like Eric Schwer. (laughs) And you just reposition the whole show on that. You want to bring me out here and fuck with my life and make people send me death threats? Let me fuck up your whole show. That's exactly what he should have done, in my opinion. That was a very bold experimental strategy. That's kind of like an Elise Delbaum move where you start, start singing the songs to camera. Yes. In those live shows is really where you have absolute power because they... There's, they can't edit it out. If you just keep doing it again and again and again and you're in a hot seat in an important conversation, good luck. You really have absolute and total control in those situations. If you're willing to do something that goes against the grain, that is way outside of the scope of what they could even imagine you saying, you know? <laughs> anyway, just my two cents. Look, I feel like this was a very, I just don't enjoy watching anyone get beat up on the show, whoever it is, regardless of what they have done. And watching them purposefully do this in the middle of Tino's hot seat and not letting him get up was my wowie moment of the week. Yeah, it was pretty wowie-ish. It was like especially heartbreaking for me because Tyler Cameron, I I feel like was Tino's hero player, and Tyler Cameron was in the even role when he did this on Hannah Brown season. That Hannah Brown is like has broken up with Jed. She's been tricked, given the ring back, and 
And then Tyler's like, want to go on a date during the after the final rose? And it hits this like, will they, won't they thing. And I feel like that's why, you know, it's a great play for Avon, but you don't want to be in the Jed, Wyatt, or Tino Franco seat. Yeah, I agree. Then DLP immediately goes to Gabby and says, will her journey end up in a proposal? Yes. We already saw the engagement ring. (laughs) There's no need to ask this question, Dark Lord. Portion 8 begins back in the studio. DLP feigns surprise that Recky had just left with Ava to go backstage. I don't know where she is. Ha ha ha. It's just unbelievable to me. He calls Gabby uh, the last woman standing here and he tells her that they're really hoping the best for her and tells Gabby that they're really hoping the best for her and uh, Rachel. Back in the document, we're in Mexico for Gabby's story. Gabby gets ready with her dress, ITMs and LL4. We see Eric picking out the Neil Lane rings, but no demon here. Neil Lane is not present. He's just looking at two different rings on a table. It is the worst representation of Neil Lane in the history of the game. Eric gets ready. More peacocks. I believe the first Neil Lane sparkler, we didn't see him. But then the following season, we did. So it's a callback to season, the first Neil season. Minutia. Minutia alarm. Minutia alarm. <laughs> I'm worried about Neil. I, I am too. Yeah. I hope he's okay. He's he's been such a component of the game. If you're out there, Neil, if you're listening, well wishes to you. Then Gabby ITMs, not knowing if he's going to propose or not. This false drama again. We know he does because we've already seen her wearing the ring. Eric meets DLP, then hits that path of pain. The last man standing has taken any and all suspense from these uh, two final row ceremonies. In my opinion, it's. You're not waiting to see who she's going to select. They're not. Nobody's nervous about it. Both of the guys know that they're the only choice. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Bad from, from top to bottom as always. Bunch of kisses here. And um, these peacocks are singing a lovely song. These peacocks are strutting their vocal stuff. And these peacocks at the final rose ceremony were my... Creature of the week. They are so loud, making their noises the entire time, overshadowing anything in the proposal. They took center stage and they were featured so many times throughout this final episode. You could hear them almost in every shot. I thought that they just did a fantastic job of making their presence known and totally dominating the audio arena of our beloved game. I I was like, is this a peacock sanctuary that they chose (laughs) to have this take place at? Why are there so (laughs) many peacocks? (laughs) The location scout's like, I found the perfect place. It's a peacock sanctuary right under a waterfall that's right next to a lumber mill. It's perfect. (laughs) We get the peacocks are out of control and... We hear Gabby's final rose ceremony speech. When I first saw you, my heart skipped a beat. I thought too good to be true. You're too good, but also true. I don't know what that means. I love you. Love level four. We see Grandpa John in the emotion box. And Gabby says, I want to love you as long as you let me. And I'm sure much longer after that, they're kissing. He says, I've been waiting for this to be real. You bring out the best of me. When I met you, I had met my soulmate. I love you, Gabby Wendy. You and me till the wheels fall off. Head over heels, LL4, proposal. And we see Gabby produce tears in the emotion box while watching this back. 
And she gives Eric her final rose. And then we're in the Gabby and Eric ITM. And then we're back to Eric lifting Gabby. The the way that this was shot was, I felt crazy. Well, the editing, it was all over the place. There was no continuity. It would go from a shot of them standing like a foot apart, kind of smiling, to them hugging, to now she's being lifted in the air. It was very disjointed. I don't know if they just didn't have time, if they had to just make some fucking trims to get the program down. I don't fucking know. I don't know what the deal was, but this editing was, I think, the worst that I've seen in the entire season. And it's at the most crucial moment in their relationship that has happened. We see they scream peacock noises. I love that. Your creature's getting in there. Yeah. Even more. (laughs) We see a chicken and a chick to represent this engagement. We see Eric put the sparkler on his pinky. I thought that was kind of uh, sacrilege. And they get on a motorcycle to leave because Rachel Recchia, she's the 4TRR wholesome one. And Gabby is the <laughs> rough around the edges. And Dark Lord Palmer back in studio. Seemed to be a beautiful, loving, romantic moment. But not everything has been rosy the last couple months. You don't get your happy ending. Even though it's happy, we have to make it sad. Then later, stick around to find out the next Bachelor and a history-making audience event that will change everything. We find out what that event is later. It changed nothing. It's just such a fucking, like, afterthought, shitty... Ah! Just be good. Just fucking be good. You can do it. Be good. The thing itself is good. Present the thing itself. Present nothing else but the thing itself. It's good. God damn it. It drives me insane. Portion nine, which I have three lines for because it was a commercial for the rookie. No, there's a commercial that comes between eight and nine. A casting commercial. Is that Minutia Alarm? Oh, no, I missed it. Dang it. Oh, sorry. It's a very tasteful one. It just says if you're at a viewing party tonight and you see someone who would make the perfect bachelor or bachelorette, sign them up. You do the fucking casting if you're so good at it. Finding someone not racist, not with a girlfriend, we give up. Yeah, it ain't on us anymore. You pick the person. If they fuck up, it's on you. You got some shitty friends. You want to see them get on TV and get death threats later? Sign them up for the bachelor. (laughs) You got somebody you fucking hate and they're always carrying around notebooks of shit to start arguments with you about? Fucking put their name in the hopper. We might pick them. Put him in the hopper. Oh, gosh. Uh, We then get the final rose reunion. Eric and Gabby, they play fairy tale music. They are giving a Cinderella-esque ending for this couple, one of whom is involved in multiple scandals. They're making out, and DLP makes a fun joke. Family TV, this is owned by Disney. Wrong. The show is owned by Warner Brothers. DLP. Uh oh. Disney owns ABC, which airs it on network television, but Warner Brothers owns the show, which means that when it goes to streaming, it will be HBO Max, Discovery, whatever that new thing is going to be called. Caitlin Bristow should have just jumped up at this moment and stolen his mic. Wrong! Wrong! <laughs> know where your bread is buttered. <laughs> Minutia. Is that a fucking minutial arm? Jesus Christ. I yeah, should be calling they, it on they myself. All are. Dude. <laughs> it's, it's our. They how are we not supposed to do minutia? It's three hours. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. So, DOP 
<laughs> then asks Shore about his emotions watching it back. As he always asks everybody, Shore says it was never easy. And watching it back had him tearing up at how beautiful it was to have a happy ending. He asks Gabby what she was feeling. She says, I forgot. Lol. Every one of her little one-liner answers to me were like, God damn, she's just so fucking funny. So good. Um, I she, forgot. She says uh, basically the same thing. She was so present and looking at someone she wanted to be with. DLP reminds us that there was so much suspense. Shore talks about the speed of things in this world, and he didn't want it didn't want it to be his decision that they were going to be engaged. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the whole time, as I'm watching this, I'm just like, and what about the blackface? And what about the DMs? That's all anyone cares about who is keeping up with any of this shit online. And then DLP yeah. asks. Uh, how surprised they were that she proposed. There was miscommunication. We go to Grandpa John. It's all this ha ha ha. Everything's fun and great. And then uh, he says, when we come back, get ready for more with Gabby and Eric. So they're positioning this as a success. There's nothing. They don't even bring up the DMs or any real problems. It's just like, well, it was hard watching it back. And I thought I was going to lose him. And I didn't know about this, but everything's fine and everything's good. Wouldn't Grandpa John make a great bachelor? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not going to be the bachelor. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Lovable thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then portion 10 begins. And DLP says the last few months hasn't gone perfectly for you. Some difficult questions. DLP demands that Gabby explain how hard it is to grow a relationship in the months following the show which is a strange thing that they sometimes ask. It, it very much goes against the process. She says it's hard being in a bubble and not being uh, able to be in public with the relationship. They still have a lot to learn with each other afterwards. Not done learning about each other. Hopefully never. It's hard. And then DOP finally gets to it. Speaking about things that come up, there have been some revelations about an ex-girlfriend who said you only broke up with her to have an opportunity to be on the show. No mention of the receipts yet, but we do get to that eventually. Schwer is like, yeah. I saw that. I saw that as well. He says, like he wasn't aware of it until all this shit blew up on the internet. He's like, "Did I do that stuff? Huh? I guess I did." And uh, <laughs> he says that he saw it as well. And the ultimate reality is that he moved to California, went on a bunch of dates, met her a month before the Bachelor, realized it wasn't a long-term connection, and he handled it poorly. Has no hard feelings toward her. He keeps saying, "It's like." okay great but he <laughs> so took benevolent. the easy way out yeah i know it's like wait a minute hard feelings toward her for what anyway he took the easy <laughs> way out uh he says and he didn't want to have these hard conversations dlp then brings up the text messages specifically about the show not being real that's what they focus in on mm -hmm. when he flashes these texts up on screen um a line that Schwer says that none of the show is real. He's just going on there to basically further his career. DLP says, this all happened before the show. Schwer says, I appreciate this and I need to address this. He thanks DLP for the opportunity mm -hmm. to have to answer for these fucking crimes here. And uh, he claims that he once again took the cowardly, cowardly way out. And he uses this to say that uh, this means the show is even more real. He uses it as a reverse appraisal of the process. Look, you went against the process. You were dating somebody that you were lying to and treating like shit, and you even said the show isn't real. And then he's like, yeah, well, doesn't that just prove how real it is then if someone like me can fucking fall in love? And now I believe in destiny and the process and blah, blah, blah. And this is exactly what, what he needs to do to be accepted within the nation. I was impressed by this. I'm not going to lie. I agree. I mean, he did what Jed did, like, pretty much the same thing yeah. and he is able to get this edit and i i do think it is cuz they want they want there to be some happy ending at the end of this no matter what the actual price 
Yes. Booz and I were talking about this before in our live about whether they were going to address either of the scandals. And I was like, well, if they address one, they have to address both. And especially if it's three hours. And then they only address the one that is about love. And they don't bring up the blackface controversy. I know. And at the end of this segment, DLP demands a clear statement of forgiveness from Gabby. He says, so you forgive him? And she goes, I guess, ha ha ha, and like slugs him. And and they shake hands. Eric shakes DLP's hand. And DLP's like, there's so much more to come. New bachelors here. And like you're saying, that's it. That's all they're going to do here. No addressing the blackface. Not whatsoever. Pretending it does not exist. Pretending that that picture is not out there. And it's, I mean, I can understand it, I guess, from a, a producing angle. If it's like, like you're saying, at any cost, we need to prove that like we can still pick a good candidate and that they can fall in love. This is not the cost, though. This isn't the bachelor of those old years. Like, this is the bachelor that has gone through so many racism scandals. They need to do better and to completely omit this. Like, yes. it's hard to keep watching at that point, to be honest. Like, totally. This is like the most complicit. I have felt in a very long time. It is, as we've always stated, The Bachelor is like a true reflection of American culture where pick and choose which things you want to ignore or not. And they're doing that here because this is a giant media company that I don't think wants to get involved in another racism scandal. And it's like, but you have one. And they just looked at it yeah. and they were like, eh, this one's not as loud as the other ones were. People aren't as pissed off about this. I feel like that's what they were. How, how else could they have made that choice? They addressed Nate having two exes. But that was a relationship thing. Addressing prior relationships is like a direct plug into the concept of the game. They addressed Lee Garrett's tweets. They addressed Garrett, his Instagram likes. That's what I'm saying. To me, them omitting this was them basically saying, we're done paying attention to that shit. We're going to go back to pretending like it doesn't exist in The Bachelor. Racism, I mean. What else could yeah. that mean? What other message are they sending with that? I can kind of understand they're like, fuck, we can't. If we do the thing about the relationship, we can't follow that up with the blackface thing. If we do the thing about blackface, then we can't do the relationship thing. I can see some like kind of uh, perverse logic in it, I guess. No, I I can see that. Like... But it's so craven and like, yeah, it was. This was hard. This I agree. This was hard. I totally agree. It was to me a bigger scandal. Like it was more important, I should say. Yeah. For him to say something on camera and not just get away with the black square and the you know the thing that the publicist wrote for him to fucking put out. Yeah. And yeah, for the show to just, I mean, pretend it didn't exist is what they basically did. I'm also curious to know what fucking Gabby yeah. thinks about it. 100%. This is a huge thing. That should have been in there as well. Imagine you're dating somebody for like a month and a half or whatever. They've just proposed to you. And now there's a picture of them in blackface from when they were in high school. Like there had to have been a conversation about that between them. Had to have been. I'm sure there have been hundreds of conversations yeah. about it. But yeah, they... They really, they really did that. And then immediately after them really doing that. <laughs> hashtag, 
Hashtags are going to change bachelor history, says DLP. <laughs> yeah, not not the hashtags they're going to promote, but fuck. I mean, it's obviously there have been racism scandals in this show for at this point many years, and they seem to get like worse and worse. I don't know. And now their handling of it is falling apart. And that's that's also a part of like um, the producing of this. And I'm not saying that like they have the ability to vet everybody and and make sure that things like this don't exist in people's past. They don't. Like I don't hold them responsible for mm-hmm. not knowing about that picture. But how they're handling it now, like they're making those choices about to not even say anything about it. There have been hours and hours of conversation about this. Yes, at the highest levels. I wonder if they even filmed it. Maybe that's totally possible. And then maybe decided not to air it or whatever. But The person with the Alex Michelle poster needs to slide into our DMs. <laughs> Let us know where the Schwer tapes are. But yeah, this was probably my biggest wowie too. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I, yeah. I gave my wowie earlier. This is obviously the true wowie yeah. of the episode. But uh, then we get portion 11. <laughs> I mean, this is also the the part of it. It's like that happened. And I'm like, are they really not going to fucking ask him? And then we get a little casting card in there. Give your friend the push they need to die back in the dating pool. Yeah, I literally wrote, they're not going to address the blackface. Wow. DLP, you can change bachelor history with one tweet. Hashtag real men wear pink. That's it. They just, it's back to business (laughs) as usual. And for us, the complicit viewing audience, we love the, our beloved game. I know. It's hard for us to even move past this. It is and it isn't. I'm I'm now getting to a point with it where I'm very detached in a like almost satirical way that I'm watching it. That like nothing surprises me. The more devious, the more mm-hmm. malevolent, the more I expect it to be true. And so when I see shit like that, I'm just like, of course that's what this is. Of fucking course that is what it is. No, I am the opposite. I'm tricked again and again, always hopeful. Yeah. Especially when you're going to end your episode with we hear you, we see you. You didn't like the treatment, I guess, of the women this season. They don't even actually address what he's alluding to. It's just DLP being vague about like the Internet's response to the season. Yeah. And they're not going to change anything. But portion 11, we must continue. Portion 11 begins and we're going to recount all the stuff that we were just talking about. We're going to get to that later. Portion 11. Sorry. <laughs> we're back in the studio. DLP is making jokes about Rekia having run away with Ava and then asks Gabby how she feels. Gabby glows herself and makes a joke about hating men, which was pretty funny. She says, being the lead has changed her life, made her more vulnerable. Eric helped her do that. DLP asks what's next for them and she says she doesn't know. She just wants to live together, not separate and outside of the uh, the TV show. And then DLP plugs Dancing with the Stars Gabby reminds us that Rekia was there in the audience, so she may not not be dancing. ABC might not have hired her to be on this this program, but they did fly her out for a weekend and gave her a free ticket to the audience, so she doesn't go away empty-handed. And DLP (laughs) throws... DLP throws out into the audience to the crowns. We get Kufrin Young and Bristow sitting next to each other, and he asks them for their wisdom for Gabby. Kufrin says this is such an... Ex- they have moved chairs. Yeah, they're sitting now in a new place. And uh- <laughs> Kufrin says, I've been yeah. in the same position as you. And I was like, wow, fiance with a racism scandal. <laughs> Make sure they have the same values and morals. Oh, God, no. Tardic, don't tell me. 
I can't. I can't handle what? Tardic. I couldn't handle Tardic getting involved in a, a scandal. Wait, no, not KB. Kufrin. Oh, Kufrin, right, because she's talking about Ari. Fuck. No, she's talking about Garrett. Oh, my God. Make sure you have the same values and morals. Isn't that like a... I did not even pick up on that. Yeah, I think it is. I think you're totally right. She's talking about Garrett. Michelle Young says, well, you know, never let anybody tear you apart. Have three old washed up bachelorettes in your corner. Why is Michelle Young referring to these three queens, queens of bachelor nation, as three old washed up bachelorettes? I don't know. The power collectively that is sitting in those three chairs is immeasurable by any device on planet Earth. I don't know why she's saying that. I think she was a little nervous in the moment. Didn't really know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the first time that she's come back, I think, to a Council of Crowns, isn't it? Has she been in other ones? Yes, you're right. So maybe she was a little nervous. That's forgivable, I suppose. But uh, maybe she'll grow into her crowndom, especially as an official Warner Brothers host. She'll start screaming from the crowd like KB. Absolute legend. We get this idea from Kufrin and Young here that they are there for... Rekia, and so she's not alone. She might have gotten fucked over by the game, but now she's a part of a family of a bunch of people who've gotten fucked over by the game. So everything's fine. <laughs> then DLP gives Grandpa John the last word. He says he's just tickled pink for Gabby and Eric, and he recaps his date with them and how uh, cold he was on that date. DLP thanks Gabby. DLP says, are you ready to meet our next bachelor? We'll meet him live next, and you'll have a say in his future. And we get portion 12. Finally, time to meet the new Bachelor. It is Zach Shawcross. We all already knew this. He emerges. I was hopeful until the last second. Oh, God. I mean, it, it was reported like last week, basically, in a bunch of outlets. I believe Reality Steve broke it first that Shawcross was going to be the next Bachelor. And it just was like, yep. I don't know if I believe it. No, it happened. I watched it. So did you. No, I refuse. <laughs> No, I saw Zach Shawcross emerge. I think there's a chance it's Tyler Cameron. God, I hope. It would have been amazing. He peels off his face like a Terminator and it's Tyler Cameron underneath and he does a dirty dancing move. King Kang. <laughs> Mike Johnson. Well, nope. It's Zach Shawcross. When are we going to have the Mike Johnson season? I don't know. Maybe next year. I could see that happening. Anyway, Shawcross emerges. DLP asks him how it feels to be the new, the new Bachelor. And he says, I have no words. That is a bad first sentence to be spoken <laughs> as The Bachelor. It's a real bad sign. You're, you're coming out into a live show to be introduced as The Fucking Bachelor. The first question is a softball. How does it feel to be The New Bachelor? Uh, no words. The one sentence you absolutely know that you're going to have to answer. One that hundred percent of the time, guaranteed. He's been coached on this. The producers have told him he's going to ask you what it's like to be the bachelor. You're going to say it's so exciting. What a great opportunity! I can't wait to find my soulmate. Just all the same platitudinal bullshit. He says no words. He, he, he says some words. He says I'm really nervous. It's a once in a lifetime, awesome, incredible opportunity. Zach Shawcross played pretty well this season. I don't feel like he played this live show very well. No. You know, when he did play well, he did the Shawcross 180. I got to say, that was probably my move mm -hmm. of the season. But it has to be. This man is, is uh, I don't know if he's nervous, awkward. I don't know what's going on. But this, this ain't the guy. He did not present the image of a guy that you want to be the anchor of your show. Now, again, luckily, this is The Bachelor. We're watching this for the players. And they're going to be fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it doesn't matter what he's like. <laughs> it doesn't. But like, I like a bachelor who can present 
uh, tone for the season. The Great One did that in season 21. Arguably the Golden Boy Shamlo season 17. What was the season 21 tone clues? It was tired. It was sour grapes. It was... Um, <laughs> it had hints of tired. It had a bouquet of sour grapes. And I could detect a waft or two in there of wish I was still playing. It was interesting. <laughs> I really liked the tone of that season. And... There was so much of it that, that took place that. near the end in cold places like Finland was the fantasy suites that when fantasy suites are in a non-tropical location. Minutia. Minutia alarm. Hey, you fucking asked me. I know. I regretted it instantly. <laughs> okay. Fine, fine, No, fine. I did love. I did love your descriptor, though. I do like the winter fantasy suites as well. I'm sure Zach will practice and... He will be back in, I mean, how, he has like, what, a week to practice? Yeah, they start shooting in about a week on this season. Uh, he he ain't getting no practice. I just get the sense that this man is going to be eaten alive by the level of mm. players that are about to face off against him. We kind of even saw it happen at the end of this. That was the sense I got as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he knows what is in store for him. But DLP asks if he's turned the page after being heartbroken by Recky in Mexico. Yes, he has. He took some time to heal the broken heart, and it didn't change how ready he was to find his person. He's, this is a perfectly scripted answer. DLP asks what he's doing to prepare himself for this. He says he spent a ton of time with his family, trying to take time and center himself, and he went to the gym a lot. So there'll be a lot of shirtless shots of me in the shower because you have to work out and be super muscular to be the bachelor well to find love to have your happily ever after and find your soulmate you better be in the best fucking shape of any human on the planet that is the message we learned that from season four bob guinea exactly correct dlp asks then uh or no sorry he says he's hoping to find his person slash best friend dlp says we're flying some of the most beautiful women to meet you very shortly so what would you like to say to them right now uh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Zach. Coming to this ready for love. Be vulnerable and be yourself. This idea of being yourself gets thrown out there. And we'll see Sean Lowe throw that back at him later in a reflection play. DLP then says, what are you looking for when these women get out of the limo? He says he blacked out when he came out of the limo and forgot his name. Be yourself and have fun with it. <laughs> I wrote down, this is a dud. No audience reaction to any of these jokes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in... Um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant based anti wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. 
You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. <laughs> but DLP has a surprise for him. One of the most famous and beloved bachelors of all time, Golden Boy Sean Lowe and Catherine. They flew here to be there for Zach. He sets it up as almost like they're friends with him or something. This is like a personal favor they're doing just for Zach. And DLP asked them, what's been going on with them? And Sean says, well, looking for a best friend is exactly what you should be doing. That's what he did. And he talks about he, how he found his best friend and Catherine. And they filled their home with love and laughter. And they have all these kids in a beautiful life. Perfect. It's the fairy tale. It's the fantasy. Mm -hmm. This is what we watch the fucking show for. That's the outcome that we want to see happen. And it has not happened for a very long time. Progeny is success. 
I feel like that is the theme that we're going to see for Zach Shalcross this season, that he is looking for his best friend. And I feel like we're going to hear that 50,000 more times. I think we're going to see best friend. I think because he's young, we are going to see cougars being brought in. This is anyone over 100%. his age. I think anyone that is 27 or older will be regarded as a cougar. Um, I think you'll see direct jokes made about someone who's 27 talking to him. And they'll be talking about age. And she'll be like, I'm one year older than you. And he's like, oh, you're a cougar. That will happen. I think that's just a prediction. Yeah, we have seen cougars be a theme com- that comes up over and over again in this show. And especially when somebody is on one end of the spectrum. I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested to see because it does. It is feeling a little deer in the headlights here. Totally. And obviously that was their intention. But if Zach Shawcross read How to Win the Bachelor, you know there's a possibility that you're going to meet the first five at your announcement. Why is there no prep? I would also say this. If he watched Clayton's season, Clayton's introduction to us, season 26, they brought this man out on stage and made him read derogatory tweets about himself that the fourth audience had fired off into the Twitter sphere. That's how they introduced him. Here, they're introducing Shoutcross by having him be anointed by literally the golden boy Shamlo, who tells him this advice, have fun, search for your best friend, don't pee in the hot tub. And they're having basically the entire council of crowns say, yeah. give him advice, jump in here. Uh, and then Sean, DLP even asked him, would you share more advice with him? And it seems like it's a Council of Crowns invite into the document that we might now be seeing Sean Lowe in the official Council of Crowns because Sean Lowe says, sure, I'll give him advice anytime. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I was like, DLP is trying to secure that Council of Crowns. He's like, yeah, we need Sean Lowe back. He knows how valuable he is. Yeah, he's doing negotiations, contract negotiations with the Golden Boy. The contrast between this and Clayton's intro is <laughs> absolutely astronomical. Like... Him getting to meet his first five, them all talking about how he's whatever, looking for his best friend, so for TRR. And it's not like Clayton and Zach had a, that different a season. I mean, Zach got a little farther, but he was yeah. Clayton was vilified for being chosen just because he was like 11th place. Yeah, and that we didn't know anything about him. I would probably say Clayton, I'd be very curious to know this, my guess is Clayton has more overall screen time in his season as a player than Shawcross did. Oh, I would bet you are correct. He had, and all those scenes of like with the children. Yeah, the kids anyway. giving him the letters. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that in one second. And now I have just remembered that scene. Jesus, those poor kids. Darkler Palmer, something you don't know. You're surprised. Your journey starts now. Art department comes in with backdrop. DLP's like, they got to cut the lawn. There's a pool in back. I'm like, and they're also not lit during this little, this little improv lines. It's, it's a tough, tough, they should have cut away. And Zach says, what a surprise. DLP says, being the bachelor, you have to be quick on your feet. Some of these women have flown here and they'll meet you here tonight on this stage. And one of them will get your fimp, but you're not deciding who gets it. America is going to decide this is America's fimp. And this is history. This is the first Fimp Rose that is given out by voting on social media. They're trying to incorporate social media into the structure of the game here. This is a good idea intrinsically. They're just executing it 
in a way that makes no sense whatsoever and no one gives a shit about. I think they have studied Love Island. They're like, why do people like Love Island so much? And you get to participate and vote in choices that affect the game and who's going to go on what mm-hmm. date and stuff like that. And then we just saw in the VIP commercial, they're stealing Casa Amor. So I feel like this is a very heavy influence of that. Back in the studio, we get the limo exits. Oh, I wrote here, can you imagine if they did this for Clayton instead of the mean tweets? Dark Lord Palmer says you can almost hear the tears regarding the mansion backdrop. He can make jokes about the suffering, but he doesn't quite savor it yet. He's going to get there. No. Yeah. Angel. They show a limo pulling up. I don't believe that these women were traveling in this limo. And DLP says, let the journey begin. First up is Brooklyn. She's from Texas looking for any excuse to move back. Blandy. Then we get Brianna, 24 years old, entrepreneur from Jersey City, New Jersey. She wanted to do something special. She has a Polaroid camera and she takes a selfie saying this could be a very important moment of our life. She takes the picture out, puts it in his pocket and says that's for later. This is an It Takes Two. This is a Kringle. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Most of the other play from the players in the actual Bachelor 19, <laughs> Bachelor at 19 season, it was either errors or just kind of inconsequential. I thought here... You're going to be in this group of five players who gets to show your stuff. And there's a rose at stake. This is a fucking zero pointer. That's the first zero pointer mm-hmm. technically of Bachelor at 27. And uh, we see obviously that Brianna is going to get it later. So I don't know what else it could have been to get her that except for this brilliantly played. It takes two Kringle. Super inventive. Love to see it. I thought this was such a such a good limo exit. That's why I feel like they gave it to Brianna. I feel like she has the third audience. She is, she has the charisma, the on camera charisma that some of these other players didn't have. I, she's like selfie moment. She's like, I'm young. <laughs> we're, we're both Gen Z. It's a Kringle. Cause she's giving him the picture. It puts it in his pocket. You know, you're breaking that touch barrier and it pays off later. Like this was all scripted. I I believe they wanted her to win and maybe cook the books Mm -hmm. to make that happen because that thing, putting the picture in his pocket, then it has to develop. Then you're going to get the rose in five minutes and be able to take the picture out. I think this is brilliantly planned. Whoever came up with the idea for this limo exit, fantastic. And it also proves that, like you're saying, the producers are on her side. They had to give her that camera. The third limo exit is Bailey, an executive recruiter who was a Nashville slider, but now she lives in California and she attempts to have him remember her name by saying, when you wake up on the daily, I'm going to be thinking of Bailey. This was a poorly executed standee because the only thing that she was trying to convey, (laughs) he later didn't know her name. So it wasn't even (laughs) successful at that. That shit was fucking sinister when DLP did that to him. And that is what gives me hope that DLP is going to make a great dark Lord. Look, he is a prisoner as well in mm. this, but it was sinister. <laughs> so. Fourth is blonde lady named Kat, a professional dancer from New York. And she says, dating me is not intended for the weak. 
And if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Like if you can date me, you could date anyone. <laughs> I literally wrote Standy question mark. I didn't even understand what she was saying. This was just like some words strung together. I think it is a Standy. I did like her face mm-hmm. play. I thought that that was super strong. And she's like, my name is Kat. She's doing little cat gestures. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, Standy, fine. Then the the fifth one is Christina Mandrill. She's 26, a content creator from Nashville, Tennessee. I looked her up. She has 30-something uh, thousand followers on Instagram. And she says, I brought something from home to help calm the nerves. She pulls out these little bottles of booze from her shoe and they drink it together. This is a Kringle. It takes two. She has a very Hannah Brown vibe to me. And she's also a package deal, which we did not learn tonight in the document, but I did mm. learn on her Instagram. Interesting. I like that they're putting people in who have followings. Yeah, me too. I think that's a good move. This does seem like they're trying to embrace social media a little bit more, which I think overall is a great move for the show. They must do this. Yeah. The game must do it eventually. DLP then joins uh, Shellcross again to take the empty bottles. DLP asks how he's feeling. He says, wow. Another man of many words here. Moment. And DLP asks, how are you going to be feeling about all this? I'll get used to it. Then he asks what the experience is like. He basically is just asking him again and again and again how he's feeling. What is this like? How's it going? Hey, dude, what's up? It's nothing. He's just filling <laughs> hey, time dude, here. What's up? And ultimately, DLP asks if he can name all the women that he just met. They're all standing right behind him. I don't know if this is scripted or if DLP was just like, I forgot the name of somebody on my season, so I'm going to fucking show you that no Bachelor remembers name. That's why I think it was the producers coming up with this. I don't think DL- I think DLP would know how horrible this was to do to someone, and he wouldn't. You're right. Because he's an empathetic angel in your eyes. DLP is a dark lord. If there's any (laughs) empathy in him, it is leaking out by the day. I don't think he has any empathy for this motherfucker or anyone on that stage. He's just doing his job. But what I don't know is if they scripted this and they wanted to pull this on Shawcross in a kind of Clayton-esque moment. Or if it is DLP personally... Mm-hmm. Trying to seek retribution for the day on his final on uh, Rose Ray Night One, where he forgot someone's name, he fucked up somebody's name. He hasn't let it go, right? You think? Yeah, and oh it, I think he gosh. basically is like, "Look, this happens to every bachelor." I don't know. Nonetheless, Shawcross can not only not remember <laughs> all of their names, he can't remember one of their names. And the one player who used a little rhyme to try and be a mnemonic device, Bailey. Um, when you wake up in the morning on the daily. I'm going to be thinking about Bailey. Not even that worked because he calls her Balin. And he is sweating profusely in this moment. He looks like he's having a panic attack. Oh, (laughs) he absolutely is. How could you not? How could you not? Because all you're thinking about in that moment is like, fuck, I have to come across Fortier. I'm sure he's still thinking about Clayton Eckerd, which they made them all make fun of him during that season. He's like, don't make me a Clayton. Fuck, they're going to fuck me. They're going to fuck me. Oh, Jesus, here it comes. What are they going to do? That's all he's probably thinking the entire time. They're fucking everyone. They're fucking people left and right. I know. You can't you can't know that you're safe. Portion 15. <laughs> Zach has the fimp. And DLP says, Polly, please bring me the results. And Polly, who walks in in this face mask to deliver an object that has never before seen light of day in our beloved game, the envelope with the results of the American Fimpros hashtag challenge. (laughs) Whatever the fuck it is. Recipient. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big Polly was my. 
Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. He's gotten my bystander of the week before. Love Big Polly, love all the work that he does. He's done some incredible stuff, and here he is a part of history. So congratulations, Big Polly. DLP then takes that red envelope with the name in it, opens it up, reads the name. They make it very much like a game show here with nervous shots of all the players. They're zooming in. We even have game show music come in. It's very pageantry. Very pageantry. It, and it, this is against the game. This idea, this tonal idea to make it look like uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Wrong. You'd never do this. It goes against 4TR. It goes against the process. You're now ma- turning this visually into a game show. The Bachelor must never do that. It must never cross the line into self-awareness of what it is or the entire fucking illusion falls flat. None of this seems real now. It's just like a bullshit joke. There is no sincerity to it. Nonetheless. Yeah, it also like denigrates the women. It's like, of course, now line up for this man and he's going to judge you. I agree. I mean, I guess that is what they do on the show, but (laughs) it's not as direct (laughs) it's just shittier in this live format where it's like okay here we go nonetheless uh he takes the name out and it is brianna she gets the first american fimp and then she pulls the picture out of shawcross's pocket that she put in there to show it to america as she's getting the fimp and it's a perfectly produced moment just the tone of the production is bad and then we begin portion 15, which is just a giant promo for Bachelor in Paradise. By the way, DLP is like, I feel like this was actually an important moment of play. DLP is like, oh, Brianna, you're safe for the very first night. So you can like wear whatever you want, wear a hoodie. And she's like, I still have to do the most. And I was like, this is Ooh. such a good line. I was like, the new Tina Fabulous, perhaps? I didn't even hear that. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Well, I mean, all eyes will be on Brianna night one. She will walk into the mansion with a giant fucking target on her back because everybody who's going into the show to start shooting was watching tonight. Mm-hmm. Everyone. All players saw everything that happened, and they are saying, okay, Brianna is basically the only player they know that they're going to have to fucking go up against, that she's got an advantage over them. Everybody coming in is aware of that. So in many ways, this Fimp Rose is a uh, maybe a bigger target on your back than the one that night. So do the players all know who the other players are? Oh, no, they all know who those five players are, and those five players know each other. That's it. Unless you had a prior relationship outside the show. So if I were a player right now, I would be finding all of those women's social medias and finding out everything that you can about them. Absolutely. 100%. For a wide variety of data purposes, you want to be picking up A, who can you be friends with? B, like that one player, uh, Christina Mandrell from Nashville. She's a single mom. You can get a lot of information about her uh, that way. But I agree with you. Every player out there right now should be looking up these five players, finding out everything you can about them to either form alliances with them or know that you want to stay away from them or whatever the case may be. Yeah. If you think someone is going to be a night one player, you know. Anyway, portion 16, DLP and Zach again. We can't have a blackface apology and we're having Darkler Palmer check in with Zach to say nothing 100 million times. Yes. Welcome to The Bachelor. DLP says, what a night. You made history. (laughs) 
Zach says we're off to an okay start. He's already showing weakness. Yeah, it just ain't like it was. You're not going to have a Sean Lowe anymore. I think because it's like the producers either don't have the ability to get people like that anymore or they don't have the ability to like produce. I, I, I truly think it's this. This isn't minutia alarm. I think it started in season 18. And I think the ripples from that first villain season have now finally hit us here in 2022 where they've produced villain bachelors. They produce fool bachelors like Chris souls. They've gotten to a point where they don't give a shit about protecting the lead anymore. And that's even gone so far. The leads are all villains. The leads are either all villains or destroyed. Katie Thurston, Rachel Reckia, Clayton Eckerd. I don't even know if Rachel Reckia was a villain, but like they, they crushed her. It's not just like, Oh, you, you found somebody that you kind of liked, but it didn't work out. You guys didn't get engaged or whatever. It's not that. It's we are going to do everything we can to have you have as many nervous breakdowns as we can every fucking day. That's what it is to be a lead now. And I think most yeah. people look at that and they're like, fuck, that does not look that fun. So you're really now only getting people coming on this show who either have no idea what the fuck it is. And so they're not prepared for the psychological fucking torture that they have to suffer through. Or you have people who are like, I want to be a fucking reality TV star and none of it's fucking sincere. And I think that mix is like weird. Anyway, speaking of the mix, we then get (laughs) DLP entering a BIP promo. We see twerking, crawling around in the sand, abs, Shanae, beard, spanking, dildos, human burritos, mixed up names, love triangles, kisses, tears, betrayal, shadiness, apologies, more tears, heartbreaks, passing out, paramedics, a shocking twist that will divide the beach, relationships put to the test, Casa del Moore, Looks like it's happening. Fuck you, DLP. Some howling, some dancing, some paradise first threesome. The Iconettis are there brushing teeth with charcoal, love, broken hearts, sparklers. Next Tuesday is the season premiere. Then we come back to the studio. DLP says you'll want to watch. It's so crazy. But before you go, he wants to ask Zach some more questions. What is his biggest (laughs) fear and concern? Somebody coming in to try and say the right things or try to get by and not show their true emotions. This is always the biggest fear. DLP says that he will be there to help him through the process. LOL. He also says, I lived it last season like someone tricked him. Like he's still villainizing Rachel Reckia. Is that is that what that means? Sure. Go into it with a little victim. Get a little victim sprinkle on you. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, then DLP thanks all of the Bachelor royalty and Gabby and Reckia. He has one more thing to say. It was a tough season, but we did learn a lot of valuable lessons. Bachelor Nation... We hear you and we love you. What the fuck? Excuse me? Did you hear me? I said Tyler fucking Cameron. I said hashtag pay Tyler Cameron. You didn't hear that part, did you, motherfucker? We threw a penny in the fucking wishing well at Villa de la Vina. Pay? I I had one wish. I had one penny at Villa Divina to throw in the wishing well. And I wished hashtag pay Tyler Cameron. And until Zach Shalcross walked on that stage, even when I had seen the signs, Zach Nation, which they show before they even announce him again, another whatever. And I was like, there was just some hope I still had. I was like, what if they fucking did it? Did they even try? Did they even try? They Shalcross 180'd us. No, I don't know if they tried or not. And we are in a very strange state. And I will just say this. This Friday's show, we're not going to do a twibbon. We're going to do a top 10 takeaways from this season that just ended. I don't know if I can keep it to 10. There was so much fucking shit that happened that is like, 
I can't even describe how important it is in terms of the history of this game, where we are now, how we got to this place, what all these things will possibly mean for the future. So we hope you'll join us Friday for that. I'm looking very forward to it because honestly, like in all the seasons I've ever seen, this one I think might be the most important in terms, again, of what it is going to mean to the evolution of this as a sport moving forward as this game continues to change because the season was tremendously bad. Yes, no questions about it. But what he says here that they did learn a lot of valuable lessons. I'm not sure they did, but I fucking did. I learned a lot of shit from this season because it was brand new data all outside the pattern that we've uh, come to recognize for the past 22 whatever years. All of this was brand new. And new game elements to like, I mean, I feel like we could do a top 10 just from this episode, but... I, I feel that way too. It was an experimental season, the likes of which we have never seen. The old experimental seasons, we're talking about, of course, 4 through 12, uh, <laughs> they had certain little elements <laughs> here and there. Like season uh, 4, for example, was the first Bachelor from cast, casted out of a pool of players from Bachelorette. Bob Guinea from season 1 of Bachelorette. Season five, Jesse Palmer, the current host, was The Bachelor. You had the first Fimpros in that season ever given out. You had Jesse Palmer had a spy. And a mole. <laughs> I loved the mole. I want them to bring that back. You also had the first resurrection of a villain in Trish Schneider. They brought her back during a fantasy suite to crash it with uh, Mandy Mae Jeffries. Never fucking forget that shit. Then you had season six, two Bachelors. But it was similar to what they did to Bristow and Nilsson in that on mm-hmm. night one, the players voted on which one they wanted to stay. Byron Velvick beats Jay Overby. He gets to stay. But there was a bunch of other weird experimental shit in that one. All the women lived in a mansion, and Byron Velvick lived in like the pool house of that mansion. <laughs> yeah. So bizarre. And oldest ring winner. And that was the season where Huju, oldest ring winner, and Huju was invented that season by Mary Delgado. Oh, and they she was brought back. It was the first uh, veteran on a second tour. Yeah. Then you had season seven, Charlie O'Connell, first season in New York. He did away with a lot of the traditions of the game that were already developed. That's also where you had your first first impression rows. There were two of them given out. And first long-term open relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. First polyamorous relationship. You also had first one-on-one rows, which was denied to the first one-on-one rows potential recipient. But yeah, a lot of experimental play during these. I'm literally just seasons. going through every season in my head, minutia alarming myself <laughs> and moving on. So anyway, I just wanted to say that, yeah, this Friday, we're going to be talking about the top 10 takeaways from this season, which I believe mm-hmm. is more experimental than any of the others. And we hope you'll join us for that. And then... Paradise. Paradise starts up next week. Can't wait for that. I can't wait. So we've come to the end here. Who was your MVP of this game? For her clues play of the game, limo exit, and being the only standout character I saw on stage from the next Bachelor season, Brianna was my... M M M M V P. That's pretty incredible. I mean, yeah, she she definitely played the one thing she had to do pretty perfectly, but she was not my MVP. Eric Schwer was my 
M M M M M V P. He withstood the fucking test of the show that destroys everyone except the one person that they need to uphold the premise of the show. He became that person. He defied all odds. He went up against a 40WR attack on a hot seat in the final rows and fucking just deflect, deflect, just sailed right by to get an official forgiveness from the bachelorette herself, who he is still in a relationship with. And somehow this motherfucker managed to disappear a scandal of himself in blackface from the document. Did not even have to address it. I don't know what he did with the third audience. That is magic. Mm -hmm. I do not understand how he was able to make that happen. I it's, it's I don't either. Very surprising. It's some next, next level shit. And it might just have been like time and place type thing. And the producers are like, we can't deal with another scandal like that. So he's just the lucky recipient of like, we won't talk about the craziest, worst fucking thing that we need to talk about with you. But uh, even beyond that, I thought, you know, to have come out of this whole thing in the only successful relationship uh, to have gotten, you know, essentially an anointing from Sean Lowe, you can't really beat it, especially this season. You know, you go back and look at some of those other experimental seasons and you're like, fuck, Mary, D Mary Delgado played so well. She didn't even know what the fuck was going on because the season was so topsy turvy with how they were fucking with the format. This shit yeah. is on another fucking level. That is a very good point and a very good argument for MVPs of the season because this was... We haven't had an experimental era like this in so long. We've never had one like this. This two lead shit is fucked up and I don't think they're ever going to do it. It's so fucked up. They had to have the Dark Lord, the final image you see of the entire season is the fucking Dark Lord basically apologizing for the season. And saying, but don't worry, we did learn a lot of stuff and we're so sorry that we fucked this up. That's insane. They apologized to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I it, it was a wild episode. <laughs> we just did a two-hour podcast. Good fucking Lord. They did a three-hour show. What are we supposed to fucking do? A lot of minutiae to cover. But it was a pleasure to cover yes. it all with you, Pace Case. As always, I'm looking forward to doing Bachelor in Paradise, which starts up next week with you and all things to come. And, um, you know, good luck to all the players who are going to be flying out to Los Angeles in the next five to seven days, taking their place in our beloved game, the incoming season of rookies. Your name's forever etched into the history books. Uh, I'm very excited for you guys. and. I hope that you do well. Luck to you all. What do they say in the Hunger Games? May luck be, or may the odds forever be in your favor. May the odds ever be in your favor. I do not volunteer as tribute, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But no, the season is concluded. We can't thank you all enough for uh, you know listening to us talk about it as well. We sincerely appreciate yes. everybody in the pit, especially after a season like this. It is. As Pace Case was saying, you know, it gets hard to keep watching this shit when being complicit is like, it's just tough. It's like, it's hard to be a fan. But I always remember that it is like football. It is like baseball. It is like any other professional sport. There are years and there are eras of the sport 
where the people managing it don't know what the fuck they're doing mm-hmm. and it gets worse. And, you know, like baseball in the late 90s had its steroid era where a bunch of the top hitters and like top players, it was found out they were all doing steroids and people were like fucking outraged. It was all a scam. This is all bullshit. Fuck this game. Fuck Major League. And there are tons of articles written about like this is going to end Major League Baseball. Well, it didn't end Mm. it. You think this is our steroid era? (laughs) No, I don't know what this is exactly like. It's not like because at least in the steroid era, you had guys hitting like 600 foot home runs and shit. It was still real fun to watch. It was cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not quite like that. But I just I mean to say that to say that uh, I think it will get better. I do actually think that they've learned a lot from this. And I think next season is going to be a lot better. And no matter if it's. Yeah. Better or not, I'm going to fucking watch it because I still love the game. We will never stop watching it. I don't. <laughs> what is what can they do? What can they do to me? No, I still love the game. What? What can who? It's already been done. What, the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I've been tricked a million times. I get my hopes up. Yeah, there's nothing that will get me to stop watching. But I just really like seeing people play the game and... um play it at a high level. And I think we're about to enter an era of the highest level play that we've ever seen, especially volume wise. I just don't think 27 is going to be like anything we've ever seen with the players going in. Dot, dot, dot. So I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, thanks to everyone else again. And before we go, as always, what is that dwabat? It's been 7,485 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 